Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. We serve a risen Saviour. Because our Saviour is risen, how can you contain the church? How can the church be contained? How can you contain a risen Saviour after knowing what He went through? All the way to the cross. After loving his people so much. And then to rise from the dead. And to release his Holy Spirit into his people. And as the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and actually hovers, hovering around right now as we speak actually yelling out, I'm alive, I'm alive. You're alive, you're alive. Set your heart free. Set your heart free. See, the enemy would love to contain you, hold you back. But the Holy Spirit is alive in you. This morning, set yourself free. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's your future? Don't write yourself off. The future is bright. The Holy Spirit never stops. He never stops winning and loving, giving hope, releasing his people, setting his people free, showing him the future. Set your heart free this morning. In Jesus' name. You can take a seat. It's my privilege this morning to introduce the Disses to you, Nathan, Nathan and Brooke, with their children, Bella and Malachi, an incredible young family in our church with a great call on their lives. In, actually, if you don't know these guys, in 2019, they were, is that right? They were called to Sri Lanka, followed their hearts, couldn't be contained, Okay. And then this year they were called home, of course, because of COVID. It doesn't take much to talk to these guys and uh, and hear that God's not finished yet. They can't be contained. There's still a risen saviour in their hearts. So why don't we... uh, Actually, let's just stand and give them a hand as as they come up. Thank you. privilege honestly to be here and sharing with you this morning. Um, So Nathan and I are going to share a bit of our story and for me the faith stretch didn't start when we were in Sri Lanka. It started before we left. Um, God told us in 2019 when we were leaving and preparing to go to sell your house and I'm like that means I'm going to let go of everything God. So we sold our house, we did it but do you know what happened? The week that we sold our house, that Easter Sunday, was the terror attacks and the Easter bombings that took place in Colombo. They attacked churches, um, hotels, and this time I was, I was completely like 
shaken. I was like, God, what are you doing? Why are you calling us to a nation now that has terror, that has unrest? And, you know, before that, Sri Lanka had gone through a lot of um, civil war, but there was rest. There was peace in the country. And I couldn't believe it. Like, I had to have that time with God and say, have you got the timing right? Because <laughs> in my eyes, the timing was not right. But God said to me, I just had this time with him, and he said, Brooke, it's Isaiah 54. I no weapon formed against you will prosper. I'm like, okay, God, I trust you. I'm going to have peace. So we went. But we landed. We landed in Sri Lanka. And it was different. If you've ever been to Sri Lanka, there's a few people here, you know how crazy the airport is. Um, we landed. There was nobody. I couldn't see another foreigner. We were the only flight. And it was, I was like, it was a bit eerie. I was like, God, there's just something not right. And my spirit was like, oh. This is going to be interesting. And it was high security. So, like, I hadn't seen that much security in a long time. And, you know, our first few months in Sri Lanka were big. It was trying to navigate a new country, a new culture, trying to drive. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I've prayed so much driving than what I have in Sri Lanka driving because it's next level. You have motorbikes and tooks trying to cut you off and then you're trying to do this and the next thing another car will try and cut you off. Anyway. Yes, it's interesting. If you need your pace, patience tested, come to Sri Lanka and drive. It'll be tested for sure. And it was just also um, navigating, not having any friends, like coming to a country had not, didn't know a lot about, and then not having friends, and then trying to settle the kids into school. And that was another huge thing. We actually we prayed for, um, to God and asked him for the school for the kids, and we got the school, which was amazing. But the next step was to let my kids go. Because at that time, there was army officers with machine guns patrolling schools. There was bomb squads doing a sweeping of the area. And I remember going, God, I don't think I can let my kids go. I had to, there was so much fear in me um, sending them into that situation, thinking, oh, my kid's going to be okay. And God's like, I love your kids more, Brooke, than what you love your kids. He's like, you can trust me with your kids. I've called them here too. And I'm like, okay, God. So I had to put that brave face on for my kids and be like, yes, have a great day. Mommy's so excited that you're at this school. Like, you know, I'm like, yay. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, God, I've, you've got this. You've got my kids. And, you know, then the next hurdle comes along. You know, we're getting the kids settled in school. We're slowly, um, you know, oh, visas, that's always, a, that's always an issue. But you know what I've learned? I'm like, God, if you want us here, you'll make a way. Like, I don't have to freak out about that. I've got enough to worry about, let alone visas. I'm like, ah, visas, that's, an, you know, that's nothing these days. Um, but I had to, we had um, an office set up and we're really starting to connect with other people and churches and we're like, yes, we're, you know, things are starting to happen. We're like, yeah, this is good. And then, you know what? Oh, and I had to be brave. Can you believe this? I went to an expat thing by myself, had no idea, but I thought I need to make some friends. So I just had to put myself out there. So that was, that was another um, little confidence thing. But then everything was going good, and then all of a sudden, what happened? COVID happens, and I'm like, oh, COVID, what a fun thing, and I was, I didn't really know too much, like, obviously, we heard about it, but it hadn't really affected um, Sri Lanka too much at the beginning, and we got letters from um, ACCI missions and from the government saying, um, you pretty much have to leave um, if you don't choose, like, if you choose to stay and you want to leave, it's at your own expense and there's no more flights leaving after this date. And I was like, oh, I, I panicked. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And we, you know, 
went to God and God said that same scripture to me, Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And Disra and I spoke to Mark and we just had this peace to stay. And we stayed. Had I known what the next 18 months would look like, I probably would have gotten on the plane and left. But I didn't. God said, stay. I'm like, okay, God, you're bigger than this. You're bigger than my understanding. So we're going to stay. And we went from a three-day hard lockdown to a three-month hard lockdown. And when I mean hard lockdown, you're not leaving your house for anything. You're not leaving for food. You're not leaving to exercise. I thank God that we had food trucks that came and whenever I thought we were getting low on food, we, you know, got provided and we had food, thank goodness. And it was, it was honestly some of the hardest days I've ever gone through, mentally and emotionally. Um, we were homeschooling our kids. It didn't stop at three months. That went for 18 months. And it was 18 months of hard lockdowns and restrictions and it kept, it kept going and it felt like it wasn't going to end. But... Even in the hard times of, you know, processing it all and having grief, because there was so much grief coming up as well. And especially when you're, and you shouldn't do this, but I was, I was, you know, checking out my friend's Instagram accounts and I'm like, oh, mate, they've got it so good in Aussie right now. Like, I'm stuck here. And I'm like, life's not great right now. <laughs> so that really, um, that grief really um, started to play a part in that when I was looking at what everyone else was doing. But I just knew that God's like, no, Brooke eyes here, stop worrying about what everyone else is doing, keep focused on me. And, you know, there was beauty in the lockdown. Like, I got to make friends. Yay! I was so excited. I got to have, like, we had, like, this little community with our neighbours and we'd do meals and hang out. And for me, that was such a blessing because that's one thing that I said to God, I just want to connect and meet with people and I want to do life with people. So I was so, um, so happy when that came out of lockdown. But one of the scriptures that God, that I've actually clung to for the past few years, and it's Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I had to learn that I could trust God in the chaos of my life when I couldn't understand what was going on, when I felt like everything was falling apart, when I felt like I couldn't do it anymore, I knew that I could trust God. And I had to go from trusting God, you know how you just say it sometimes in your head, you're like, yep, I trust God. But I actually had to go to actually walk in and out and believing it in my heart that I could trust him. And I listened to this beautiful worship song by, um, I think it's Kari Job from Bethel, and it's called Your Nature. And it just sings about God's nature. And we know that God's nature is good. But I actually said to Holy Spirit, what do I believe about your nature? What do you want me to believe about your nature? And he said to me, I can trust him. So I had to just really take that. And as you can see, like the last two years, I've been really... Um, having to let go and surrender to God and really trust him, trust him when my life doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. I think in my flesh, I thought, you know, we sold our house, we kind of followed you, God, and you kind of think, well, yeah, it's all going to fall into place. No, it doesn't fall into place. It just falls more out of place. And, but it's not because it was just beautiful in that because God actually, he didn't want me to rely on those things. He wanted me to come to him. And that's another thing I've been learning in, in this whole process. And, you know, Ray Andrew says, we shouldn't ask God to change the circumstances as he brought the circumstances to change you. And I'm like, wow. It's like God wants us to go to him. And that's the biggest thing I've learned. It's not about what I do. It's about going to God and listening to him and out of that, then doing. And, you know, Peter Soreros has an amazing book and he's 
talking all about this stuff and I'm just loving reading it and learning it, but it's just letting it go. Letting, um, I'll get Nathan to come up in a minute. Letting, um, letting what we, our expectations that we put on our life, what we compare or what we think our, should life, our, sh- our life should look like, but just trusting him that God is going to make it. And I think, you know, Mindy said it this morning in worship, God knows the plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, God knows the plans that he has for you, church, plans to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. So when life doesn't work out, know that he, God's still there. He's still on your side, church, and he loves you and he will make a way. Yeah? Amen. Okay, Disna, you're up, buddy. <laughs> I've got my own microphone, thank you very much. <laughs> Isn't she amazing? Um, and as a husband, when you take your family overseas and you go for a call, it's a big thing. Because if it goes wrong. <laughs> but um, Brooke's been amazing, the kids have been amazing. Whew, here we go. I really felt God wanted to do something with you and now I'm crying. <laughs> Um, I was going to share a bit about the call, you know, because there's something we follow as a young kid in church and stuff, it's a call of God on your life. You want this call and puts a lot of pressure on you. And um, in Sri Lanka, when everything went wrong, when church wasn't working for us, stuck doing stuff, it gets really hard and you start going, God, what am I doing? Have I led my family the wrong way? Have I missed it? Have I missed the call? Did I miss it two, three years before I was I'm meant to be here? Like, what, what have I missed? And I remember, like, a long time ago, at one of the Planet Shakers conference, a pastor talking about, you know, you've got to open every opportunity, otherwise you might miss your call. And so that fear had on me. Did I miss my call? And God made me just sit and have to go through. I said, God, did I miss my call? And he said, no, you just got it wrong. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> Could tell me that while I was in Australia. But um, he goes, you got it wrong in the sense that what are you called to? Who are you called to? What are you chasing? And I ended up having to just sit and go through a study myself with, to see this. And just, I read through Romans and I had to look at what call, the call really meant for my life because initially like I'm sitting here going, I don't know. And, and what I came to was, you know, the call that I thought Sri Lanka was is a heart of my. It's a part of my heart. It's a heart to love people, to see people transformed, to see a nation that's hurting be freed, and see the kingdom of heaven move. But what I was meant to be called to and drawn to was God. I had been drawn to Sri Lanka, which is a great thing because that's my heart, and it's not a wrong thing. It is right. That is my heart. It's my heart for the nation and my heart for people. But then I had to look at, I was actually moving the wrong way. Instead of not going to God first and letting work through God, I went to Sri Lanka. Like, not that I went to Sri Lanka, but I would always look at Sri Lanka and God was with me. But God said, no, no, all of it's in me. And the, three, the things I came to um, find out that what we're called to, the first thing you're called to is salvation. You're called in. He's calling you home. He's calling you to relationship with him through his son. He calls you in and wants to start the relationship. It all starts in relationship. 
And through that, he calls us to a freedom in him. He calls us, I can give you the scriptures, but I'm not going to read them all because I just want to move on a little bit. But he calls us to freedom in Galatians 5.13, you can read that. He calls us to eternal life, that we don't have to worry about what happens now, but we know our future is secure. He's called us into light and hope, that we can be free. And he's called us to live holy. So when I learned that it's all about God and not about me, and I learned that my calling is not about all about Sri Lanka, but all about relationship with God, um, obviously there's got to be a response. And so I want us to quickly go through my response, what I saw. And um, we just have a responsibility to live faithfully. Ephesians 4, 1 to 2 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You see, when we're called, it's to be humble. No matter the circumstance, whether you're in prison, whether you're going through something, it's to stay humble, to have patience, be gentle with people. And learn to love one another when each of you, sometimes it's rubbing the wrong way. And that's what we have to learn to do. In 2 Thessalonians 1 to 11 says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make worthy of his calling, that by his power he may bring to fruition every single desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. And this was the one that got me because it was, as we draw closer to God, he actually releases us into what our heart is. He actually lets us go to Sri Lanka. And he will be with us even through the hard trials and circumstances. Um, but the thing is that when we look at we were looking at it as going, oh, we got it wrong because we're going through trials. We got it wrong because we can't get the church off the ground. We got it wrong because we're just stuck in an apartment and we feel like we haven't accomplished anything in two years. But God says, no, if you're in me, there's freedom, and I will bring to fruition in time. What I had to learn was uh, it's, not a, it's a freedom in God. We're even called to suffer. Isn't that great? I learned this in 1 Peter 2, 20 to 21. It says, but how is it that your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong, it's fair, and you endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What I started to learn was, Life just has moments that suck. There are moments where you feel like you don't have a goal and you're further away from God. But what God is saying is that you are closer to him than ever before and that he has never left you. And that even though you're going through a moment that doesn't feel right, even though you go through a moment that you feel persecuted, judged, you might feel like you're a failure, that you've missed what God has called you to, he's saying, I've never left you. You are closer to me than ever before. You just sometimes have to go through trials, but it will sharpen you. And um, I'll leave that for the next um, service. Spoiler alert, you're going to miss out on that one. Um, But this is where I want to come to, and I'm going to ask the band to come up, um, because while we're in worship, I just really felt that God just wants to work in you, and he wants you to have a moment where you 
are just in Christ. What can separate the believer from God's love? And when I look at faith, I just looked at this is what I believe. Because there's things and moments that are going to make you want to step away from God. Deconstruct God to make it work for you. (laughs) And you can't. The Bible is holy and the Bible is true. God is true today that he was yesterday and tomorrow. And here's the question. In Romans 8, 31 to 39, goes, you know, this is a question. But, um, I was reading this um, from a book, in the book of Romans it's a, by Dr. Boer. And he says, what can separate the believer from God's love? The answer, nothing can separate the believer from God's love. Paul takes us on, a, on the prophet's mantle in verse 36, and he quotes this, Psalm 44, 22, to demonstrate that there will be always be opposition to God's people and the work of God in the world. The world is cursed. It is an antagonistic environment. It is under the control of the evil one. There will be many natural, supernatural attempts made to convince the believer that he or she has been separated from the love of God. Paul knows that nothing can separate us from the love of God, but he also knows that it can appear that we have been separated from the love of God. He wants to dispel both notions. Paul himself will become like sheep to be slaughtered within a few short years underneath, under the brutal hand of Emperor Nero. Paul was a man of unshakable confidence in the love of God. He feared neither the tangible hardships of life nor the intangible fears that creep into the conscious of every normal person. Here are the questions of a normal person. Am I suffering for a reason? What if I wake up on the other side of death and discover I have been fooled? What if I do not wake up on the other side of death? Where will the love of God be then? All normal people have considered this. And Paul is just bold enough and confident enough to get them out on the table and answer them. He wanted the Romans to deal with them. He wanted third millennium, us believers, to deal with these as well. He answers then, and his answer now is nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to read um, Romans 8, 31 to 39 over you guys. And I would love if we can sing the song Jaira. Because when I felt like a failure, when you feel like you've just taken your family to the wrong side of the world, the only thing you can know is that God is enough. The only thing you can hold on to is that, you know what, God still loves us. And it's not wrong. We haven't failed. You never failed, God. Because all He's ever wanted was a relationship with you. All He's calling is you home to Him. He wants you to draw near to Him. And that's all He wants. The rest is our desire to see good on this earth. The rest is us wanting to love people and love God. So we have never got it wrong, but sometimes we feel like we get it wrong and God tries to draw us away. So I want to speak this over your life. And what I want you to do with your mask on, you can, after I speak this, just stand in God's presence. And no circumstance that you're going through, no situation, whether you feel like you've missed a call, whether you feel like you're not good enough, God is enough. His love is enough. And it's right here and it is never away. And God is more tangible than ever before. So let me read this over you. 
What then shall we say in the presence of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, that Christ in Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate us, church. And I just want to pray for you, and then we're going to sing. And I want you to have a moment of just coming back to being in Christ. Do not let a situation hold you back. Father, I thank you that there is nothing that separates us from you. There is nothing that comes between you and me. God, I thank you that you have called us back to you, that you keep calling us home. You keep calling us into relationship. You keep calling us to have a moment of heaven on earth. And Father, I pray that this morning that we will be touched Your spirit will just move and touch every single person. Father, that we will know in our hearts that we are loved, that we are called to you, that we are chosen by you, and there is nothing that will separate us from you. There is nothing that will come between us. There is nothing that will hold us back from your love. There is nothing that will hold us back from your freedom, your grace, and your hope. And God, through that, that we will move and love people and that our hearts call our heart's desires will be fulfilled as we come more and more into relationship with you father so father this morning i just pray let your love flow through let your spirit be upon every person so that they know that they are closer than ever before and there is nothing that can separate us from your love and we stand on that and we stand in faith in your mighty name amen you are circumstance for you are Tyra you are love oh Tyra you are love you are Tyra you are love and I will be content in every circumstance you Circumstance for you are a child.
Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.